my job, first and foremost, is to delight my employees. Absolutely, that's my job as a leader. And they, in turn, I hope will delight each other and our customers. That's why we have people who say, yeah, you should come work here. Hmm. Got it, sure. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. We're going to have a fun one for you today with Jamie Kendrick, who is the president at Caps Traffic.com North America. Now, if you're not familiar with it, Caps Traffic.com is an Austria-based provider of intelligent transportation systems, offering solutions across our customers' entire value chain, including urban mobility, road user charging, and sustainable mobility, three things that, man, the world needs a lot more of. She's an avid scuba diver, board game enthusiast, and her secret superpower is negotiation. And yes, she's actually made two car dealers weep, and we're going to dive into that in just a second. She's also a graduate of Huntington College in Montgomery, Alabama, where she now sits on the board. JB, welcome to Lead the Team. Oh, thank you, Ben. I'm so excited to be here. Now, I'm hoping that you're not going to make me weep in this interview today. (laughs) I promise not to do that. Tell me, tell us about what it was like making two car dealers weep. (laughs) Well, I think uh, growing up in a family-owned business, one of the first things you do is learn to talk to people. And uh, negotiation style was something I learned pretty early on from a wonderful family member. And I have not only my own purchased vehicle story, but I have that of a dear friend who said, hey, will you go with me? And then the next thing I know, the poor car dealer really was weeping. He said, I have never had to do a car this low before. And sure enough, um, they tell you that always. And so I sent him back to his manager and said, um, you're going to do better. And if this is the best you know, you've ever done, then let's, let's put set the bar pretty high. So yes. uh, both of those experiences have come back. And now I have friends from around the country offering to, to fly me in to help for negotiations. Wow. Okay. All right. So you can message JB, maybe she'll give you some insights. Exactly. It's one thing to get a better better price on a car, but to actually make them weep. (laughs) The tear was just slightly slightly down the side. (laughs) Wow. Okay. They'll make a movie on that, I'm sure. All right. So I understand that you learned a lot and developed your leadership style from a former mentor who had a very unique nickname. Can you share more about that? Oh, I can. And, and I just and I just smile every time I, I hear the nickname. And so let me tell you what it is first. It's called Velvet Shark. Um, and there's a Velvet. couple of stories that I could tell you about Velvet Shark. The Velvet Shark. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> but wow. The most important thing about her um, was how she did influence my management style. It, it really was centered on relationship-based leadership. Um, I met Naomi. Uh, when I was applying for the position at ACS, HR had, had flown me in. I was meeting with four or five folks that I was prepared to meet with. And the last person I, I had a conversation with said, oh my gosh, you have to meet Naomi. And, and I was like, okay. I had not prepared to meet a Naomi. I didn't know who Naomi was. I, I didn't have any background on the story, but I was like, sure, I'm here. And the next thing I know, um, 
she stepped away and and then this this whirling dervish of a ball of energy comes flying in the door and i'm like okay here we go and she said hr pulled me out of this final prep meeting for a, a customer to that i'm doing tomorrow and she was flustered and she said you know but i understand you're so impressive and i'm 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 here to see if you're as good as they say you are Okay. Um, so again, I don't know what role she is. I don't know who she is. And, and so I said, okay, um, I'm happy to talk to you. But, but first, let me ask you a question. What did they pull you away from? And she sat down and took a breath. And she was talking about this, this meeting about a special regulation that was in the credit card field and the struggle they were trying to have this customer to agree to it. And it turned out I'd just done that same thing in my job. And so I had this relatable story to her that, that talked about the trials that we had, the, you know, the things that we did instead. And, and I tell you, it was no more than 10 or 15 minutes of a conversation, but it was only about that. She didn't ask me one single thing about myself. She didn't ask me anything about the jobs I'd had before. And she said, thank you. And she got up and she picked up the phone in the room and she said two words. She said, hire her. And she right. turned back to me and said, have a great day and we'll see you on board. And I, I t- again, I was totally flustered, but what I found that that was just really Naomi. She was razor sharp. Mm-hmm. She was razor focused, but, but what came with the nickname was how she always delivered that. She massaged that message. It was like smooth and comfortable, like velvet, but then out mm-hmm. of the blue, she was laser pointed and she came right back at you. So it was something that I learned from her to be fiercely protective of a team but to also make sure you knew exactly where you stood at all times. So when I joined the company about a week later, somebody said, I cannot believe you survived meeting with Naomi for an interview. And I went, it, it really wasn't an interview. It was a quick conversation said, oh my God, she's the velvet shark and you're a survivor. <laughs> so to that day, I realized I was you know, hired by the velvet shark. Wow. Well, congratulations. Because that obviously has led to some big things in your career. And it's so important to have mentors. And you don't always know when the good ones are going to show up. And it sounds like you, it sounds like you found one that day. I, I did. And, and I think, you know, sort of midway through my career at that point, I'd had some jobs before. Um, certainly don't have the big chair I have now. But it, it really kind of it led to me sort of those four fundamental things of leadership that, that mm. crafted my, my focus. It's one, you know, be open. You never know what can happen, and but be yourself and be open. And and number two is kind of be present uh, and intentional when you're there. Um, I think that the third thing is really important to me is don't ask someone that, to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Mm. Um, and and I think most recently what I've learned um, is show the how for what you're asking. And I think those four um, kind of started with my early career really formulated with Naomi and, and I've sort of crafted that ever since. Tell me more. You said share the how for what you're yeah, asking. Yeah, I think a, a great example of is sort of the how is we all need to have a great work-life balance. And mm. and and so I guess better yet, that's mostly the what. People the what is we need to have better work-life balance. And for how for us particularly we have unlimited PTO. Right. And, and a lot of companies do now. So what I try to show the how is how you can do that. I, I took mm-hmm. this job two years ago when I got elevated to the, the president role and I immediately went away and did a trip to the Galapagos Islands. Um, you talked earlier about diving and, and being able to, to travel. Uh, I do that every year. I take two mm-hmm. or three weeks away 
and say, look, that's, that's how I show trust in my team. That's how I drive them to make their own decisions, especially when I'm diving and underwater and you can't hear me. Um, and then it really shows them that they can lead, right? So uh, just doing Greece this last winter, same thing. I was available. They could find me. It's a whole lot easier than you know being somewhere foreign and remote, but they, they do the jobs that you ask them to do when you show them how to do that. I love it because some people might hear that. Oh, show it, tell them how means do your job, A, B, C, D. No, you're role modeling, which is one of the yes. hardest thing to do. It, yeah. it, it requires you to be disciplined. It's, it's, it's like raising children. Like my my daughter, she's gonna she's gonna look at what I'm doing, not what I tell her to do necessarily. Probably everybody can relate to that. Even if you don't have a kid, if you just just are around young people in general, they're observing you. And it turns out your team and, and your employees are doing the same. And I love the fact that you're actually disconnecting for a while and you're mm-hmm. showing how to do it. Because th- there's nothing worse than being told, well, like, hey, don't send emails late at night or, you know, don't work on vacation. But then you go on vacation and you're just calling the office, out, you know, on the hour. They're like, well, well, and don't get me wrong. I, I do some of those terrible things because I talk all day for a job, right? I'm on the phone. I'm, I'm helping make decisions. I'm talking to customers. I'm talking to our staff. I'm doing some of the development mm-hmm. things that are important to me as a people leader. But getting to email sometimes during the day is really hard. So maybe I do them at night or I do a quick touch point on instant message. But I, I try to make sure that my staff knows I don't expect a response back. If, if I need yeah. you, I'll tell you. But otherwise, this is just when I can work through my day and be ready for the next day. Um, and so I try really hard and to reiterate it. Yeah. So the other part, so you're showing them how by, by telling them, hey, this is what I expect, clarifying your expectations and communicating really like what your operating system is with your team. I feel like a lot of leaders, they don't really think about, they just feel like, hey, the the team's going to figure out how to work with me. Well, why not just tell them what you expect? It's going to ease your pain and theirs if you clarify those expectations. Um, such a great example. Now, you mentioned scuba diving. And this is on my mind because <laughs> I'm thinking about, I, I did a little scuba diving in Alexander City back in the day. Uh, yep. And Were you in a quarry? Were you in a lake? <laughs> yeah, the lake, you know, you couldn't see very far. But I, but I did the checkout dives and all that. Yeah, I couldn't see that much visibility, but now I'm thinking maybe you know I, I want to get my family into it. Uh, there are a lot of I want to ask you about the leadership connection to scoop and all that, but from just a practicality standpoint, what's your recommendation on best diving uh, locations? Yeah, so for for all of you divers in the in the uh, the call today, the first thing is I'll tell you I'm a warm water diver. I am spoiled rotten that we in Atlanta can get to the Caribbean very easily. Mm. So even if you're, you're down in Florida off the coast, maybe in Key West, or you are in any of the islands in, in the Caribbean, you have an amazing world right around the corner from you. And so I think especially for a young diver, I think you said your daughter's 12, mm-hmm. um, you can have a great uh, dive master who can take her with you. 14 um, is a set of... Uh, uh, where she can get certified, but you can do it with parent consent if you're going with her at 12. Okay. My nephew, TK, just did his checkout dive in Key West at 12. Oh, and now cool. he's very ready for me to take him to Belize so that he can go on the reef. Um, but it is, it's a great experience for the family. It's a very different world. 
Um, and it does tie to leadership because when you're underwater, it is really about being prepared first. So to make sure your gear is safe, you've got a buddy. So you've got somebody to touch point with and, and sound things off as things may either go above or under the water. But when you're under, there's just this sense of presence that you have with the creatures that may be around you on a reef or in a wreck. Um, there's this ocean that is blue and wide. Um, so you have to sometimes focus really to see the little tiny details uh, when you're on the reef or see little neat creatures like a little tiny starfish or a little tiny um, seahorse that'll come out of some coral. But I think for your daughter um, and, and your wife too, getting into that open blue mm. and being able to sit down and go, this is a whole nother world that you would never see otherwise. Um, there's a silence to it that is just, it lets me reset my perspective at work when the world is crazy and it's a whirlwind and you've got all these emails to do and all these phone calls to do and whatever decision you're trying to make about strategy or budget, that just kind of goes away when you're underwater. And then it lets me come back up and go, okay, I can now see the, the trees that were in the forest before I couldn't. Man, I can just visualize that. Yeah, it's it's such a great reminder for people who don't take the time to travel or to get out. You can just get so accustomed to your own setting and your routine, which builds efficiency, but it probably it doesn't always it's not always good for strategy or perspective or, or thinking bigger. And I, I suspect going off and getting getting away, scuba diving, yeah, lets you I can easily see where it, where it helps you reset. Now you mentioned beliefs. Is that one of yes. your favorite places to? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, so I have so many. We love Belize. Uh, we're getting ready to do a trip to Honduras. Um, yeah. We dove in Greece this past October. Um, hmm. Been Dominican Republic, British Virgin Islands. Um, our goal is to almost hit every Caribbean island and, and see the diving. Um, big trip, bucket list trip not yet done is the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. So we've got that plan for hopefully 2026. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there's amazing diving all over the, the U.S. and yeah. the Caribbean. And one of the things that's really got me so re-energized about it is the fact that a lot of the reefs are in bad shape. And yes. now's the time to to see them, uh, to to be a part of that. And maybe, you know, get on board with the, with the strategies or, or the desire to, to restore them. I'm not exactly sure how much we can restore, but hopefully, hopefully. We, we are do. doing great things. And there's lots of organizations out there that are trying to reseed coral um, because our waters are getting a little warmer and mm-hmm. finding ways like the, the staghorn fern down in, in, in Florida, they're doing these neat little coral farms. So imagine this really tall uh, piece of PVC that's got these strings that come off of it, almost like an antenna. And these tiny little baby corals are starting to grow. And then they're going to replant those onto reefs. And then you've got people that are purposely sinking um, older ships so that we create wildlife to come and grow. And so there's lots of activity around the world to do just that. All right. Well, man, we just just deep dove on scuba diving. (laughs) Or the other episode. <laughs> I hope we've been three people to check this out. And I love the fact that this connects back to leadership. So it's a it's a business trip, sort of. <laughs> I don't know about from attack sort of. purposes, but uh, you know. Uh, I'm counting on the training side. It's more towards development. So yeah, I, I more, usually more. will start. <laughs> I usually start one of our, our sessions. We do 
um, talking back to the how, we, we mm-hmm. really focus on people development, and that's a, a key passion of mine. And, and generally, when we, we have a virtual leadership academy or um, we're doing um, one of the mentoring programs, somehow or another, because the whole team here knows how much I love to dive and, and to travel, there's always a diving story that comes out. And um, oh, okay. we, we've got one coming up. And so I, I'm prepared to talk about um, working through challenges because this, this last dive in the, the British mm-hmm. Virgin Island, these two angelfish. Um, and I'm doing a circle. You can't see me on the podcast, but the, the dive instructor was doing a circle on the hair, which means angelfish. And I was going through their, their, their home and they were not happy about it. So they were very territorial. And um, I've, I've decided that's going to be uh, my lead in on the, the next virtual leadership meeting about clients who are set in their ways and territorial um, and how you can to drive through that or dive through that is the case maybe. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So have you had any moments that you're like, man, I don't know if I want to be in this situation. Scuba diving, because that's always the ones, unfortunately, for most people that they that they're afraid to dive in the first place. Don't scare anybody off from diving necessarily, but no. I, I laugh and say that um, every dive is still better than work. So sorry about uh, all the work folks out there. <laughs> <laughs> Diving is still better than work, even a bad dive, which, uh, you know, you're, you're going through it. It all comes down to preparation, Ben. Um, make sure you check your gear, make sure your buddy, you know, you have a dive buddy, very important. Um, you know, the, the only tough experience I think I've ever had was um, getting underwater and seeing that there was another couple who clearly were not as comfortable um, being under as, as maybe the rest of the group was there. And, and I think I just tend to sort of gravitate to, to watching folks on the boat before we get in the water. And, and I saw that they were really uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. instead of sort of maybe focusing on my dive, I spent most of my time kind of watching them. So again, a dive is better than work and it doesn't matter. And that wasn't, they were thankfully not in any stressful situation. They, they did their dive and okay. it was fine, but so you're a um, it was, on that, on that dive. it was, it was more just making sure everybody enjoys themselves and, and kind of like work here. You go into the water with 10 toes and 10 fingers and you come back out with 10 toes and 10 fingers, just like my guys yeah. out in the field. Yeah. The last time I, I dove was years ago and we went, we went to the Gulf and it, I couldn't see very far. And like maybe 10 feet to 15 feet. And there was supposedly a rack there. You could kind of see it, but I felt like I was dangling on the end of a fishing line. <laughs> so, so I've not, I've been snorkeling in the Caribbean. So we're going to, so now, now I'm more fired up than ever to get to the Caribbean. I will give you a ton of lists and, to make sure you enjoy it. All right. All right. So let's, let's get back into, <laughs> into your background. So you said uh, family business. What was the family business? And how did it inspire you to get into leadership? Yeah, so um, the official family business was a food specialty organization, particularly pecans. And if you're in the South, it is a pecan. It's the proper name of how you pronounce that. Wait, wait, the other thing it's is pecan, not pecan. <laughs> correct. That's something that's under the bed <laughs> in the old days. So, so it is pecan. Okay. That's funny. My wife's from South Carolina. She says pecan. I say pecan. So now we know. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. 
<laughs> the official pecan. Um, so yeah, we did specialty food. So that was many flavors of pecan. So praline, cinnamon, chocolate, etc. cetera. Um, and then we did liqueur cakes. And so growing up in a family owned business, uh, kind of like a startup, you learn to do everything. Whether you're in the back, you know, trying to do some operations uh, items in the kitchen, or maybe you're in the production room and you're sealing bags and putting them in a box, or you're up front selling, which is one of the things, as you can see, I, I, I love to do. I love to talk to people. So when we got to go and do trade shows, I was the happiest in the booth. You know, come in and try something and convince somebody to, to take home a, a sample and then ultimately place an order. Um, it really sort of just set that tone for. You don't have to be locked into one thing. You can kind of be a Jill of all trades and be successful at that as well. I love it. And it reminds me of another interview. Stephanie Stuckey. Does that ring a bell from Stuckey's? It may ring a, it may ring a bell. They have the pecan log that they, uh, I guess her grandfather was the, was the person that came up with that? I don't know if he, I don't think he necessarily invented it, but he made a great one that and, and sold, and he he did it a lot. It the with the South Georgia pecans. Yes, yes. So Stucky's pecan logs are basically a marshmallow filled base with pecans rolled on the outside, mm-hmm. and they are a delicacy if you're down from the south. I've never heard it called a delicacy, but I agree with that. <laughs> well, until you put them out. into liquor cakes. <laughs> That's right. Hello, <laughs> Stephanie. Oh man, this is this is a this is this episode's already full of adventure and tastiness. Oh, so thank you. all right. So man, we went we went way back in the files. Now we you know we talked about scuba diving. Now you're leading this organization, which caps traffic com. It's got a big mission, and uh, we don't have it. We we could probably dedi- dedicate an entire episode to that, but just to sort of encapsulate what your leadership vision is for what, for where this company's taking things. So CAPS has been in the U S for almost 12, 13 years now. And our goal is to, to move people um, easier, uh, faster in some cases, but more sustainable as we are growing in our footprints. So um, if you're not familiar with CAPS, our core solution is in the tolling space. So if you've ever been on some of the roads in the Northeast, like Easy Pass or, or here in the yep. South, I've had the uh, where you have to, yes. so you have an Easy Pass transponder, <laughs> we have been making those Easy Pass transponders for 26 years. So wow. we're sort of the secret behind okay. uh, Easy Pass, if you will. New Yorkers, the cameras, there you go. That's right. The cameras that are over the roadway that record those of you who may not have a transponder in your car, mm-hmm. um, that software is what our operations provides to DOT agencies and other tolling authorities so that they can facilitate the movement of traffic and try to make it less congested. So that is our that is our core solution. So making people move uh, safer and faster uh, is clearly a, a solution we like to bring to the table, but we also focus on sustainability. So where we can make cars be less congested, say at the intersection in a metropolitan area with connected vehicle technology. What's what's neat is our, our phones got really smart, um, but our cars are now getting smart too. And so we can have a two-way dialogue mm-hmm. in the intersection so that the car, um, say, can have signal timing that is 
dynamic. If you've got a long line that's waiting to turn left, um, our smart cars can now talk to that smart intersection using our software and maybe have a longer signal so that we're not all sitting at the traffic light having particulates and having emissions. So again, we're trying to look for that sustainable future that's also better for the next generation. So having cars at, at the intersections, or maybe they're not, inter- I guess the traffic signals are communicating with the cars specifically, or they're just able to see how many cars are there. Or, yeah, so today, so today the technology has been either the, the signal is just set for a set timing. Right. If you've ever Which been at an intersection and, and nobody else is around and you're waiting, that, that's sort of the old school version. The newer school is there are, are loops in the roadway. So as enough cars go over those, it will, will signal it. And, mm-hmm. and there are some cameras you can say, I'm counting. The, the next evolution of that is as our cars start emitting a signal, kind of like your transponder does, yes. we can now know how many are in that intersection and where they are using that camera technology and AI learning and be able to do better intersection control. Oh. Wow. Safety, uh, sustainability, emissions, everything. Man, we need that. And we need it now. We do. Uh, well, we needed it 20 years ago. So, but This is true. But I can say my Easy Pass worked great, even when we did the zip cars and we would rent we, we would rent cars and had the Easy Pass in there. It was always a delight because we were always rolling right through the Easy Pass lane in New York. And New Yorkers, you know what I'm talking about, uh, man. Okay, cool. All right, so great on the technology front. Now you're leading, now now you're at the helm of this organization here here in the U.S. What's the one trait that you wish you could instill in every employee? You know, just one. Um, <laughs> I think for me, and, and it kind of comes back to the the way I, I focus on our, our our team. It's it's about self care. Look, you you can't show up as your whole self if you can't give yourself some grace. Um, again, take some time away for perspective, like I do. Um, I, I think you've got to balance uh, the big project that needs you this week and this weekend or this month or this quarter with, okay, I can have some downtime in order to come back for helping my peers as well as helping ultimately your customers or your partners. So self-care is something I don't think we talk enough about as leaders with our team. And, and it's a trait that I want to continue to push that our, our employees advocate for themselves. Um, you know, it's easy to say something like accountability, but it's really hard to make sure as a leader, you're driving a self-care culture. All right. So what do you say to leaders who say, you know what? I believe in self-care, but, you know, we, our business, you know, we're, we got too much going on around here for people to think about their self-care uh, because if they don't take care of the business, the bottom line, there's not going to be any place for them to be taking care of themselves anyway. And honestly, I think everybody around here should just work a little bit harder. If you sat down with someone, and I, I and I'm, th- I'm I'm visualizing some leaders in my in my in my brain here, what? How would that conversation go? Providing your perspective, like what do you, you know, what do you say to someone that's just like, man, we don't have time for that around here? Yeah, I think I'd say two things. One, you're not going to have a staff um, for very long. Uh, the cost of acquiring and retraining your team is very expensive. Um, losing an employee is nominal compared to that, in my opinion. Um, I'll tell you something. What would someone say specifically? Uh, two years ago, as you know, we were still coming out of COVID. My team was pretty beat up. 
um, not only from customers because we were delayed in some contracts and some deliverables, um, but just just the fatigue that COVID brought to, to them, mm. not only from a work perspective, from a family perspective. And I realized that I had to do something very different. Um, so I had customers who were not happy at the time with where we were from a deliverable perspective. And I go and announce we're, we're going to take six summer holidays. I'm closing the office every other Friday for six days in the summer. Now you can imagine my team was like, yay. Uh, my customers were like, you are nuts. Uh, we've got stuff that are due. We've got, you know, how can, how can you do this to my project? Now I did this across the board in North America. Yeah. That means Canada hmm. to the Puerto Rican Caribbean. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we a lot of people say, and you can do that with everybody else. Just not the people working on my project. Correct. And, and so what I learned in, in those conversations with some really tough customers was, if I don't do this for the team working on your project, it's mm. not going to finish. They have to get a step away for just a little bit for that long weekend here and there. And what happened is they came back, they came back more determined. They came back fresh. They came back with a different perspective. And you know what? I didn't lose anybody during that time period. So for me, it was an investment well made. And again, as leaders on this phone listening are probably going, nope, I don't agree. It's the bottom line. I need my numbers. Um, you can churn through staff. If that's your model, then there are organizations out there that, that do that. But I tell you, my job, first and foremost, is to delight my employees. Absolutely. That's my job as a leader. And they, in turn, I hope will delight each other and our customers. And that's why I have a strong a, a retention I think in the organization. And I think that's why we have people who say, yeah, you should come work here. Got to chill. Did those projects finish <laughs> all time? Did those projects finish? Um, most of the projects are done. There's still some construction delays that I can't, you know, I can't help that sometimes when the uh, civil work still has to build the bridge. Um, but yeah, most of those projects came through fruition these last two years. All right. Well, congratulations. Now, was that a turn? Was that, did you have a paradigm shift coming out of COVID and said, hey, self care is, is going to be our competitive advantage with our employees? Or did you foster this earlier in your career or, or where did it come from? Um, I think it, it started earlier in my career. You know, my grandmother was probably my biggest influencer in my life. Um, you know, she started her career as a school teacher. Um, which she could not keep that job when she got married way back in uh, the, the olden times. Uh, and so she was a mother for many years, but then was widowed very early. And so she said that's, that's not where she wanted to be. Um, she did have a family to take care of. And so she started uh, other parts of our family business. She went on to be um, a, uh, a really powerhouse, uh, if you will, in, in her lifetime. She was an elected official for three times. She was absolutely um, uh, the most dynamic lady I saw who said, you know what, you have to take care of those around you because she was a philanthropist as well. Um, she, she made sure she went out into the community and, and started a Habitat for Humanity organization in Columbus, uh, a keep Columbus beautiful uh, organization that was really trying to foster beauty around. And, and so she, she taught me to care about things. And she taught me to care about people as a result. Um, she went on to, to finish her career as a board member at AFLAC. Many of you people uh, may not know that American Family Life Assurance Corporation started in Columbus, just as American Family, um, and then grew into be AFLAC. And, and she was the first female board of directors member there. And I remember traveling with her as a teenager around 
for those board meetings and just seeing how she made sure she spoke to everyone. It didn't matter if it was staff at, say, the hotel or if it was the board members we were meeting with or the businesses that we were talking to. She took time to ask each of them questions. And, and that, that had a lot to do with how I started my career. But I think in these last six years, I've really focused much more on that and self-care in our employees. Wow. What an inspiration. I mean, and the, and the, and, and, um, the time that she grew up in, that was probably uh, completely unheard of. She changed careers three times. Uh, yeah, I mean, and taking care of others the whole way. Wow. Yep. Once a time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? You know, I, I don't know that I would call it a failure, but I will tell you at the time, I think it was regret. Um, I had a uh, position that I was enjoying, but I felt like I'd sort of hit the end of the road there. I didn't see that I was going to have any more growth uh, at that particular job. And I had looked around and didn't see anything that was quite right for me. And, and I'll tell you, I left three months shy of my 401k vesting. Oh. For a lot of people on the phone, they're like, Ouch. Um, you know, and I, and I think that was, again, it was a twist. Mm. But what I learned is I found myself in a different organization that totally accelerated my career path. You know, it was right in the middle when the, the dot-com boom was happening and we were really embracing technology. And if I had not made that decision to step away at that time, and, and again, that decision wasn't based on money, clearly, for, for walking away from such a, a, a nest pool, if you will. But I think you can't measure opportunities or experience based on a single factor. And for me, that, um, that saying yes to another, another opportunity and walking away has really opened the door for me along the path. So a little bit of a twist, um, not wow. regret. At the time, maybe regret, but not now. Well, it, it sounds like you really had a perspective of there's stuff at, at stake here more than money. And sometimes experience, the experience you're going to get in the relationships you're building and how you're doing things. I mean, it makes sense to make that sacrifice and to move on. Yep. Well, what a cool story. So starting to wrap this up, uh, sure. JB, what, what are your parting thoughts for our listeners today? Oh, gosh, parting thoughts. Um, I think if you're a leader on the phone listening today, for me, culture is something that you have to work on every day. It really, it's your actions, as, as you and I've talked about, Ben, as much as your words, they're going to drive that within your organization. Uh, we talked about emails and we talked about PTO. You, you have to explain that how um, as much as the what. And again, be intentional with your actions. I, I think if you're an employee who's thinking about leadership that's, that's listening today, um, take the time and invest in building relationships. Uh, make those connections and be as genuine as you can. It, it's okay to say, I want to go and achieve this or I need help or, um, you know, how can I get there? If, you've, if you're engaged and you're building those relationships, I think they'll take you far in life. Mm-hmm. Thanks, JV. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Ben. I really enjoyed it. And I'll give you those diving sites very shortly. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer 
before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.